Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. What I learned was that people love relatable content. When you try really hard to be relatable or relate to someone, like that's usually the time when like you don't and you can't. I just started writing exactly what was on my mind. So if it was like something super like out of pocket, like just like something not professional, I would still write it out because a lot of times the things you feel like you shouldn't say and end up saying other people feel that same way. So that's really been my attack is just like everything I write and everything I say is embedded in the truth. And because I'm feeling it, there is a likelihood that there's at least one other person in the world feeling that same thing. So immediately that content is relatable to one person. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials. Today, I'm bringing on a special guest. You might have heard him in a previous pod. We do a news podcasts now on the marketing millennials of latest trends, news, and stuff like that. But he's a big asset to the marketing millennials, and I'll let him introduce yourself. But welcome, Eden, to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Daniel. This is like my intro to the, the public eye. I want to go into let people introduce yourself. How did you? decided to be a marketing major and then decided to get into marketing. Um, how did that process go? My dad's a salesman. Um, I always saw what he did, how he operated And I, I really enjoyed that. And going into to school, I kind of leaned towards sales, but there was no sales major. So marketing was the next closest thing. So I, I enrolled as a marketing major at the University of Maryland. First year was normal and then COVID hit. And all classes were online, had a bunch of free time. And so I was just like, screw it. I started applying to startups just as like at for any position, pretty much any marketing internship. And most of them just being in the day and age we are, were like social media roles. So I got my sophomore year of college. I was a the social media manager, the head of social at a startup, had a podcast, was posting on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube anything in between, just growing on socials, realized I really enjoyed it, pivoted into a different startup, and then spent my whole time there. I was at Overtime Sports for a little while, creating content. And then at the end of that, Daniel actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. This was a little over a year ago. And Daniel, you were just like, let's have a chat. We got on a call. And then it turned out that the, our, our goals aligned and now I've been at Mark and Lenos for a year, creating content, working on big things ahead. I'll go a little deeper in that story because you kind of brushed over it, but Aiden was creating TikToks about building a personal brand, building great stuff on social. And I saw the TikTok pop up my For You page. And this is why it's important to build a personal brand. Also, why TikTok is, has a crazy algorithm. And I was like, oh God, I got to... He's, he has a personal brand on LinkedIn, so I searched him on LinkedIn. I was like, "This." And we're looking for someone to help with socials and the marketing plans and great content with the marketing plans. And I was like, "Okay, this kid understands it." I shouldn't say kid, but he. I mean, Gen Z, 
Gen Zer understands it. He understands TikTok. I understand TikTok, but I don't have the personality and doesn't have the camera factor. So I was like, okay, we need someone like him. And we brought him on and he's been crushing it ever since. But if you see Mark Emilio's on IG, TikTok, shorts, he's the one behind all those great memes, great video, great reels, <laughs> great shorts. But I want to go into... First of all, why memes? Why do you think memes are so great? Why should brands think about creating more memes? Um, how do you come up with new ideas for memes? Just go, we'll break it down. I also just want to pivot back to the, you find me on TikTok. This is like, I think it's a, people do sh- shit on personal brands a little bit. And at that time, I legitimately had 2,000 followers maybe. Um, and my videos were getting like 600 views. So I, I think people see the big numbers that everyone else gets and fear, oh, I can't get that. So I, it's not going to be of value to me. But the fact that I was getting 600 views per video and someone like Daniel found me, reached out to me and it snowballed into this partnership really shows the power of personal brand, whether it's on LinkedIn or TikTok. But back to your question about memes, that's just been my bread and butter from the start. I love making people laugh and it just came naturally to me just because shooting the shit with the boys in the group chat. So naturally my whole life has been around like humor. Um, and that first internship with the startup sophomore year of college, I basically applied through memes. They asked me to roast them. I roasted them with a couple of memes and they're like, all right, dude, we got to get you on an interview. So that's been my my main content that I've created the past couple of years, but the, the main reason why I enjoy making them and why they're so effective in building organically on social is just the relatability, digestibility. Um, and those are two facets of content that you need to really go viral. And memes, especially on Instagram, Instagram's really hard just with organic growth. I mean, it's getting better with reels and we actually had one pop off, got half a million views a couple of days ago. But memes are really that perfect blend of content that you can share with your friends, give someone value. Um, people often overlook humor and a laugh as value in content, and they try and focus on like being buttoned up, serious, like here's a growth hack, here's this, here's that. But you can't really put a price on a laugh. And that's people, if you can make someone laugh, they're going to remember you. So that's why I choose memes. And that's why that's what our approach is with TMM. I think also you brushed over like the one of the most important parts you said it, but you brushed over it is that when last have you shared? Go look at your IG DMs, DMs. or yeah. go look at what you sent to your friends that you've been making them laugh. Most of them are either a TikTok you find interesting or a meme that is relatable. You like, yes, this is this is me. And that's what gets shared in Slack channels, get shared in text messages. You can track them, they're hard to track, but it is the language of today memes. Oh, and the reason why Marky Millennials did memes is my theory at the beginning was I wanted to give a break in the feed that was crowded with a lot of information mm-hmm. and, and make someone laugh. And people always say, Value has to be the most in-depth information, all that stuff. But value is just adding something to someone's day, whether it's giving them a laugh, entertaining them, giving them something to think about. 
and memes are the ones that are on the entertainment lab. Think but when you think about creating content, that's why memes are put into your strategy. Oh, yeah. I want to go into a little bit of how you think of these memes and think of ideas and find new templates and find new memes because I think a lot of people struggle with that. That's something my process has changed as I've done it over the years, but I've identified two main factors because ultimately I want to create content that is shared, shared in the DM, shared with people, like something I want to give viewers something they will copy and send in their group chat with their buddies or their Slack group chat. And the two main factors are the content has to be timely and novel. What I mean by novel is something that the users haven't seen before and or have only seen once or twice before. Um, and it's like it's new. And the timely aspect is huge in memes. That's why trending meme templates absolutely pop off, um, right? Like you guys have seen the Mark and Millennials Instagram. We've, the last month or so, we posted a lot of Barbie memes because those were trending templates, right? Not only not only trending templates ones I not only trending the templates, but it was trending in society in that time. Oh yeah. Barbie and Barbie in general. So you take a trending template and what's being talked about in everyday conversation already, and then you have a, a third formula. Yeah, and that's what I mean by trending. It's trending in the culture. And not the template itself, but the topic itself itself. So like even pulling on the Mark, the, the Zuckerberg and Elon Musk fight, making memes out of that, even though there's no templates that are trending, the idea is trending and you can use that in a meme and that will most likely succeed. But back to your question, my whole process with memes is I'm a big Reddit user. So right now I'm creating a lot of marketing related memes. So I get in these communities, the biggest one is r slash marketing. And I just read, I just read what everyone's talking about, everyone's sentiment, a big one has been GA4, right? So there's a bunch of talks about GA4, how some marketers love it, how some marketers hate it. And then we have the classic talks about meta business manager and really being tapped into a community like Reddit or Quora, you can get the sentiment of the industry and that's where you pull from topics for memes. And then as far as just templates too, Twitter is the go-to for me. So I will just scroll on Twitter looking for memes and, and not even looking for memes, but you'll see photos will come up repetitively and I'll be like, I'll pull that for a meme. And then as well, uh, we have a couple competitors, I would say on Instagram that post similar marketing related content. I'll look at their profiles and see what templates they're using and pick out my favorite ones and put a spin on it so that we can one up them with their memes, but really just looking at other meme accounts is the general gist of that. And there's a lot you can learn from even the biggest accounts, like a Daquan on Instagram, if anyone's familiar with that. One point to on, on that is Reddit, Twitter are things that happen on the internet before they actually hit mainstream energy. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you can, Figure out the communities in there and see what people are saying because Twitter is real time news. Like that's what Twitter is built for: real time, quick news platform, get information fast. Uh, Reddit is, I would say, an idea generating, a community brainstorming platform that people with similar ideas talk to each other. So, but most big things happen on Reddit before they. 
and then Twitter before they hit IG, LinkedIn, even sometimes TikTok. They 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 start in these communities and then trickle down. So yeah, that that's why I think pairing Reddit with Twitter is huge because Reddit you get the like internal communications of the industry and like how everyone's feeling, and then you pair that with Twitter's timely news, and that's where you can get the uh, trending topics and everything. That's a match made in heaven. But also, you did say TikTok. TikTok has become more of an asset for me personally and as far as finding video meme templates. So TikTok, a lot of CapCut is the app that people use to make these video memes. So I do scroll through TikTok to find like funny movie clips and then I make them as IG reels. Uh, But that's more of a recent development. Yeah. Also, I think the two things that that make it great, meme and Aiden's touched on it, but you have to deeply understand relevant topics that are happening or relevant pain points that are happening every day in a market or your own in life. And then figure out how to take that and can mix it with a perfect meme template that is trending. So what Aiden is also saying is like he's consuming a lot of meme templates. He's also consuming a lot of marketing information. He's trying to get as much marketing information out there. And if you combine those two, you can create a great meme, which is taking two obsolete things and creating something that's unique, new, but also touches on something that's relevant, something that's in the news right now. But I will also touch on that not every meme template should be used for certain brands. Like sometimes a meme template that is on Reddit that's trending might really turn off your audience because they are, are don't let's say like your audience was team Barbie all the way. And then you're we're like just doing Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer memes or something like that. This yeah. is a simple example, but you want to make sure that whatever you're posting is what your audience actually cares about. Like if you do things millennial stuff that Gen Z doesn't get or Gen Z starter millennials not get and your audience is either you go to a millennial audience and you do Gen Z stuff and you use their language millennials won't get it as well as the opposite Gen Z doing um, millennial stuff so you have to really understand your audience when putting memes together 100% I want to also go into how do you handle managing multiple platforms how do you think it how do you decide what to post, what data post, what should go on each platform? What is your process like for that? I have one or two non-negotiables for myself. And in social media, there's not many things you can control. Like you cannot really control how your post is going to perform. That's up to the algorithm. But what you can control is your inputs and you showing up every day and consistently posting. So that's a non-negotiable for me. So for Instagram, I have every single day, I have to post at least two times. And if I am not able to do that, so I'm doing something wrong. So that's a non, that's my strategy for Instagram specifically to be as consistent as possible. So I show up every day at Instagram and then with TikTok, because I'm a one person team creating content on multiple channels, I schedule a lot of TikTok content. So we take content from our podcast. I find moments where there's immense value. Maybe someone's breaking down an SEO strategy or a go-to-market strategy. 
clip that and I schedule those out about a month in advance on TikTok. And the goal there is to get two TikTok clips out per day. And then as well with YouTube shorts. So we post two YouTube shorts a day and two TikToks per day. But the, the really where you see compounding effects on socials is consistency. So I know you, everyone hears it, but if you show up every day, that is the closest way you can guarantee success on social media. So I, the best strategy I've found is mixing in posting manually every day with scheduled content. And I, I have a, there's a battle eternally between quantity versus quality. I'm a big quantity fan, but if I'm solely a quantity fan, I could, I, if I toss out quality, that's not going to help me. So what I do is establish a minimum level of quality that is acceptable in my eyes. That sounds bad, but my minimum level of quality is high. And I create as much content as possible without deviating below that. And if I deviate below that, that's how I know I've posted too many times that the quality of my content has decreased and the impact it's ha- going to have on my audience is minimal. Um, so that's how many times I decide I'm going to post. So if, if you're trying to figure out your go-to-market strategy on socials, it's establish a minimum level of quality and post as many times as possible without deviating below that. The analogy I give to people about social media and especially like starting off and let's take sports, for example. If I go out, go play tennis once a month or once every week, just hit a couple forehands and get off the court, I will not be really great at doing forehands. Or if I do a couple backhands, a couple forehands, there's so many different types of things that you could test on a, a court. So you have to do volleys, do this, do that, do that. So you need to take a bunch of different reps to be better at those those those, those swings on a tennis court. Same with social, is you need to do a bunch of reps to understand what quality even is. And once you understand what quality is, there's still more things that could be tested to see, is there something else I could do that could be better? So even if you become the best at creating memes, there's some other things that you might need to be better at, to say text posts or reels and stuff. So you just need to put out content or on ideas as well. To get what your audience actually likes, you just have to put out things to see how is the market responding. So it's a quick feedback loop. And that's why I love social media. It's a, it's a feedback loop for everything. Is You understand your audience likes is quick because you get likes, you get impressions, you get shares. And that tells you, gives you a signal. I'm not saying you chase that, but it gives you a signal that what am I putting out is good or not good. And Mr. B said it best is the algorithm is the audience. So if you're putting out things that are great, that means people wanting to consume it and the algorithm is going to keep pushing it in the algorithm because people are consuming it and the platforms are designed to keep you on the platform. So they want you to keep consuming that platform. So more people liking it, then it's going to get fed to more and more people because they want people to stay on the platform and be like, okay, there's good content on this platform. Dude, that, that was a masterclass in social media right there. That's something that Daniel really taught me. That was something in the back of my mind, but he really put it into words that I was focused on perfection and wanting to make sure that every post I click goes viral. If it doesn't go viral, it's a failure. But the mindset really is 
the faster you fail, and I guess a failure in this sense is really not a failure, but the faster you fail, the quicker you learn and the better your offer and your product will be for your audience. So the more shots you take, the quicker you're going to get excellent at the craft and the better your product is going to be and the better experience it's going to be for your audience. That's well said, I think. You just... And that's a, just an analogy for marketing in general. Yeah. I think marketing is a constant experimentation, constant testing ground. It's a t- constant who can be faster to get things out, who can get fast. The idea, and I want to just clarify, the idea of quality is stuck in a marketer's head. Because the only person who could decide what quality is, is the audience that starts liking your content. The market decides what quality is. You might think that you put out a perfectly, just because it's perfectly produced, looks pretty, has a great idea on it, doesn't mean that the market's going to like it. So until you put it on the market, the market's going to decide, yes, I love that, yeah, or no, I don't like that. So that's why people with iPhone videos and they want, people want to spend a long time doing overly produced videos on social. You could do that, but iPhone videos might be overperforming because the quality of the content is what people are, are, are looking at. And the quality of the content is what people are liking. It's not what you think is quality content. Sometimes my best in my head is going to go viral, does not go viral. I'm the, the stupidest More often than not, honestly. Yeah, so quality is a facade. Perfection is a facade. Nobody ever could be perfect, and perfect is just what your idea of perfect is, not what the market's idea of perfect. And that's what's brilliant about social media and marketing and stuff like that, because the market decides if your product is good, your content is good, your ad campaign is good. You're getting sales, you're getting impressions, you're getting stuff like that. You're not the one who's going to end up deciding that at the end of the day. You could learn and learn to perfect that, not perfect it, but you can learn and learn to get better and better and better and better at understanding what your audience will like. But at the end of the day, you still have to put it out there. The market has to decide if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Just an important that, because I think a lot of people, but I do have a saying that I always say to people is you need A plus consistency and B plus content to win on social. You need to be above the average. That's very good. Consistent and consistent. You just need to be above average. If you're slightly above average and posting every day, you win. Um, so you could be a little bit above the average. Don't have to be A plus. You just have to be B plus. But if you could sneak and be a little A minus and stuff like that, you're and you're consistent. You're becoming really, really good. But it's hard to do that when you're managing a lot of channels and stuff like that. So start off like just drawing channel or two channels. Yeah, I even start a beast start up the the habit of consistency before anything because when you have no following it's the best time to put out things that are not going to be oh yeah that's when you just shoot them off the hip you go crazy how did you learn to write content or think about content very well like where did that come from does it come from school or is it a family thing or how did you learn that, that that skill? What I learned was that people love relatable content. 
when you try really hard to be relatable or relate to someone, like that's usually the time when like you don't and you can't. I just started writing exactly what was on my mind. So if it was like something super like out of pocket, like just like something not professional, I would still write it out because a lot of times the things you feel like you shouldn't say and end up saying, other people feel that same way. So that's really been my attack is just like everything I write and everything I say is embedded in the truth. And because I'm feeling it, there is a likelihood that there's at least one other person in the world feeling that same thing. So immediately that content is relatable to one person. People forget that everybody is human. Everybody has a life outside of work. Everybody does talks to their friends differently than they talk at work and mm -hmm. things that you the way you're going to talk to someone like you're talking to a friend is way more relatable than saying i hope this email finds you well today <laughs> um, i am daniel murray i and this sounds robotic and you could be like hey what's up I'm daniel blah 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 like you can whatever you say that's why i always recommend people to speak out the words Yes. And write how you speak. Like if you want to really write relatable content, written content, seriously, just write how you speak and hit post. Another big aspect of this, which I think is overlooked, especially on LinkedIn, there's a lot of like people sitting on their high horse teaching others how to do things. I always strive to never talk down to anyone as if I know more than them, but instead I always try to write things and it truly is what I'm doing, but experimenting. And then I, my output is, hey, this is what I experimented on. These are the lessons I took. Doesn't mean you have to take these lessons, but like, if you want to learn this, here you go. Instead of saying, this is how you should do it. This is how you do that. This is how you do this. But more of taking an experimenting and showing the world aspect instead of as like, and that also plays into the fact I'm 22 people most oftentimes will be like, I'm not taking advice from a 22 year old, you, you're, you're a baby. So that's really how I've worked around that age. So if there's other people who are Gen Zers listening to this, which the likelihood, I don't, we don't know, but- um, No, this is, this is a good amount of Gen Zers. Yeah, well, shout out to Gen Zers. We love them. It's a great point to make because I actually, when I started creating content and I was, I started creating content in like 2018, and I was just like a senior marketing manager. And I was not big in the industry or anything like that, but I was just creating content to simplify and just put out what I learned. Or I didn't come off like, I'm a know-it-all and I know this and I know that. I came off as, this is how I interpret it. This is how I think about it. This is how I'm simplifying things for other people so they understand. And... That's a good way to get over the hump of imposter syndrome. But to be honest, most of us are still weighing it. I'm still weighing it. Most CMOs I talk to are still weighing it. Most VPs are still weighing it. That's great to hear. Like, actually, that is great to hear because we have experience, but it, like a lot of experience, what works with one brand, it works for another brand, it doesn't mean it's going to work for another brand. You take things, you use things, but it, doesn't mean it's going to work. You're just trying things. So if you're willing to try and execute and try things and experiment, that's what may will make you a great marketer. 
Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what age you are, how much experience you have, it's, you're willing to try and execute and keep learning and learning and learning and always be humble to recognize that. And that's what's great about marketing. Marketing is very humbling because Aiden could be great at creating TikToks and he's way better than me at creating TikToks. And I can learn from Aiden from something that I don't know in marketing. I can learn from someone else that about graphic design since I have not good at graphic design. I can learn from someone else how to run paid TikTok ads. But I know I'm good at one thing. Someone else is good at it. So you always, there's someone who in marketing that's a beginner at something, which is great about marketing. So you always will be a beginner at something in marketing, which is refreshing to hear. And is also what's cool about marketing. Mm-hmm. I want to go into a question for you to ask everybody is what is a marketing hill you would die on? This is something I've believed for the past year or two and still stick to it. And it's my own personal brand guideline. And I think if a brand implements this and sticks to it for the next 10 years, they're going to be so, they're going to differentiate themselves from the crowd like no other brand. And I think that's staying honest brutally honest and always telling the truth in your marketing efforts and avoiding politics. I think if you pair those together, you are going to be so differentiated from the crowd. To escape competition, you need authenticity. So if you as a brand are authentic, you will escape competition. And there's no other time period that the business landscape has been this competitive. So if you want to escape that, authenticity. And people confuse the word authentic. Authentic to me, and this is how I interpret authentic, is you're authentic to your brand promise, your brand values, what are you trying to deliver to your audience, where you say you're going to do things, you're actually helping people genuinely. That is authenticity. Authenticity doesn't mean that you're telling the whole truth about your personal self. It's you telling the whole truth about what your brand is delivering. Oh, yeah. The values, you're not explaining... You're not one day saying that you are this and the next day you're saying that. You stand for something. You will always stand for something and you keep on nailing that message down. That's authenticity to me is sticking to what you believe in as a brand and your values and your mission and your roots and why you started. That is authenticity. I'm 100% with that. I, I think trust is so important in marketing and just in business in general. And as soon as you go back on what you said and don't acknowledge it, that, hey, we're switching our opinion. If you don't acknowledge it, you're screwed. You're losing trust and you're going to be seen as a hypocrite. But if you can take it on your chest as a brand, say, hey, we might have screwed up here. I think there's immense value in that. And I think that is one of the most simplest ways brands could differentiate now, yet and at the same time has the highest upside. So that's what I'm trying to implement. And obviously everything I talk about and everything I say I do, I'm implementing it. I'm practicing it as I'm talking about it. So that's something I'm implementing with my own personal brand on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think it's a great way to think about it. I just want to clarify authenticity because that word's been thrown around so much. And I think people mistake it for... You as a person being authentic in what you're saying, but really what it means is you are delivering on the promises you are saying you are as a, a person, a company, 
your personality that you're trying to put out. You're not swaying from that. And that's where I believe is authentic. And lastly, where could people follow the great Aiden? My biggest platform is LinkedIn. So Aiden Brannigan, A-I-D-A-N, spelled the right way. You can find me there. I'm on Twitter a little bit, Brannigan Aiden on Twitter, but mainly LinkedIn. And maybe on this podcast again, you never know. Also, what's great about Aiden, just for people who, which is inspiring for people who are younger in their career or starting their career or even haven't started personally. He didn't start creating his personal brand in college, so there's no early time to start. And that's how I found Aiden. He believed in creating a personal brand. So I think you get, everybody should double down doing that as early or today. It, it will create a resume for you for life. But thank you, everybody, for joining. It's been great. Thank you, Aiden. And until next episode. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.